All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me for the 22nd time is my main man, Lou. Lou, it is that time of week. Uh, We are here to recap week five in the NFL season. A lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of crazy stuff to to talk to talk about. I'm excited to get into the show this evening. But as always, want to make sure you're feeling up to the task and and the challenge here on a Wednesday evening. Now, I had a fantastic weekend this weekend. We're going to talk about a little bit from a fantasy perspective, from a from a a fan's perspective, from just an enjoyment of football perspective. And 22 episodes. Wow. 22. I was debating holding off on saying that number because we're almost, I think, the 25th show or 25th anniversary is that diamond anniversary. So I was holding off on maybe trying to celebrate that. Um, but you know, so, oh, you're, you're getting me diamonds. Oh, sweet. Huh? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just so appreciative of all the time that you've invested with me over the, the last, what has it been? Eight, nine months now. So yeah. But, yeah. I think February, but it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I I've certainly enjoyed it. I hope you've been enjoying it as well. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to call out this T-shirt right here, if you're not seeing this. So the goat. Um, little known fact that this is actually Dion Sanders Jr.'s clothing line that I had ordered a T-shirt from from a while back. On the back, it says, look good, feel good, play good. Um, so excited to wear this this evening because it was just, I don't know, just kind of felt appropriate feeling on top of the game this evening. That's ballsy from him. He hasn't done anything. No, but his father's done all the work. So yeah, I mean, shit. If my father was relevant like that, I'd be riding those coattails as well. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's dive right into it. Again, a lot to cover, and I, I want to make sure we're cutting right to the chase here. So, as we always do, let's go through this segment by segment. Let's begin with the the hometown takes. Your LA Chargers, um, I believe, hosted the Cleveland Browns this weekend. My San Francisco 49ers were on the road against the the Arizona Cardinals. I will delay this no longer. Let's get in. Let's talk about that that very, very exciting Chargers-Browns game. Yeah, so for the good, first and foremost, that might have been, I could be sounding like a homer right now, but one of the best games of the year, let's say. Uh, I think that rivaled the Rams versus Chiefs a couple of years back, uh, what was going on, especially in that fourth quarter. So uh, that was really exciting. Also another good, before I get into the game, I thought the Chargers fans showed up pretty well at that game. Uh, I know a bunch of people that are actually there, and they said it was like probably around like 65% you know, uh, percent Charger fans, which is pretty good. You, you, you can start seeing their, you know, formulating a base, a fan base over there. So that was pretty good too. But you know, getting diving right into the in the game. That's uh, a win, though. Let's talk about that for a second. That's yeah. Because like, even when they were the San Diego Chargers and playing in San Diego, like more often than not, it still always felt like it was a road game for road game for them in in some capacity. And I think this t- team continues on this tread. They are the team in LA, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be. Yeah, and we're going to talk in a minute why I think that's happening as well. I mean, there's two names we're going to be dropping in a little bit that makes sense why they're starting to attract such a fan base in this new market. But let's start let's with the good. It. Yeah, so let's start with the good. Uh, first, the t- Chargers won. It beat a 3-1 team. They were, uh, the Cleveland Browns are a very tough team. Uh, 
frankly, I didn't think the Chargers matched up well against them because Cleveland's so uh, physical. And the fact that they came away with the win, hey, I'd rather an ugly win than a pretty loss. And that's what the Chargers used to do all the time. They lost pretty. They were pretty gritty. Uh, and they fought back in this game. They showed some guts. They scored 26 points in the fourth quarter. Think about that. They were down 19 going into the fourth. Score 26 points. Some teams don't average the Bears 16.8 points a game. The Jets 6.7 points uh, a game with their offense. They're scoring 26 points in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. And 15 minutes of football. Right? The clutchness factor was apparent there. Herbert showed it time in and time again uh, with the big throws he was making. The defense showed up one time this whole game. And it was at the last series of the Cleveland Browns, and they stopped and they went three and out Cleveland Browns so that this, uh, the Los Angeles uh, Chargers can get the ball back to, to, sc- to score that final touchdown. So the one time that the, the L.A. Chargers defense did show up, it was imperative and it was clutch. So kudos to them for making a big play when they eventually needed it. <clears throat> and from the Department of Redundancy Department, a.k.a. Stuart Scott used to say that all the time, so shout out to Stuart Scott. Once again, big fourth down conversions, time and time again. Um, Mike Williams, he's balling out. Justin Herbert's playing out of his mind. Quick fact here, an average QBR is 50, right? A perfect QBR is 100. On third and fourth downs, Justin Herbert's QBR is 94.6. As close to perfection as you can get. What's crazy, too, about Herbert, too, is on these third and fourths, uh, third and fourth downs, let's say it's third and five, fourth and nine, he's not throwing it to the sticks. Usually, um, basically, the offensive concept would be if it's, you know, fourth and five, you run a seven-yard route, right? Yep. So you can co- yeah, so you, so you can cover, you get past the chains and still have uh, a, a little breathing room. It was third and five, threw a 33-yard pass to Keenan Allen. Uh, the go you go back, you know, to the, the Chiefs game. It was a uh, fourth and nine. He threw, it was like a 19 yard pass. It was a pass interference, what have you. But he that's what's making it crazy. He's not settling for just again to the chains. He's constantly looking downfield. I think that's what's putting a lot of stress on defenses is they don't have a grasp. They're like, okay, let's just play the chains because he's not even looking towards the chains. He's he's looking for home run. To, to you know to single basically so uh he keeps the defense honest there uh so that's all i really had to say for the good uh there's plenty bad though even though in a win like i said it was an ugly win man they can't stop the run i'm not gonna run go through all these stats uh you know what kareem hunt and chubb did it, just, it was the eyeball test their defensive linemen were getting blown off uh got blown off the line of scrimmage they weren't getting off their blocks. The tackling was god-awful uh, from both the second and third levels of, of the defense. It just – it was pretty putrid. It was reminiscent of that Cowboys game. Yeah. Um, in addition, where was the pass rush? Think about it. The Browns were with, I think, a third-string left tackle and a second-string right tackle. They didn't sniff Baker Mayfield at all. Outside Derwin James coming off a blitz early in the first quarter. Um so that was a little you know, disconcerting that they couldn't even get any generated pass rush there, too. Last but not least, injuries now are starting to mount up for the Chargers. Obviously, we all know they lost Brian Belaga earlier in the year, their right tackle, the starting right tackle. 
They replaced him with a, a former XFL tackle, Storm Norton. Uh, and now they just lost their starting guard, uh, Odea Boucher, who might not be a household name, but he was playing pretty damn good uh, for, um, out there. So now they have to throw a, uh, now they have a backup right tackle and a backup right guard. And that's going to be interesting to see how pretty much where they're going to go from there from an offensive line standpoint. Also, Drew Tranquil, who he's been balling out too, especially in uh, Kenneth Murray's uh, you know, departure because he's on the IR. He messed up his peck. Just came out today that Brandon Staley said he hurt his peck, but he doesn't think it's going to be long-term. They're getting a second opinion. But what, what is long-term? He thinks he can uh, hopefully avoid the IR. But uh, if they lose him, that's going to be a blow to that defense because that guy was flying around. He was a perfect complement to the guy you were talking about last week, uh, Isaiah White, number 44. Uh, they were a perfect complement in the middle of that defense. So injuries are starting to mount up now for them. Hey, we're we're five weeks into the NFL season, right? I think you're. I don't. I don't even want to hear anybody crying about injuries, right? Because I can course, go through yes, a yes. list. But this is it's it. The NFL is first and foremost. It's a battle of attrition. I think. Are are you you through like your your bad or that, 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 that's it? That, that's okay. it. That's it. Yeah. Good. So. A couple things I want to like quickly comment and, and then I'll get into the disaster. What was the 49ers versus Cardinals game? But to your point, like this was the craziest fourth quarter I've seen in a long time. So they were playing at the same time as the 49ers. So I did not watch this game as it was happening. I went back and I did a lot of skipping towards the end where I knew like this game got like serious, like real fast. 41 total points scored in the fourth quarter that's it was insane that's absurd like it just really felt like whoever has the ball last was going to win this football game and I think even the Cleveland Browns felt that evident by like literally dragging and pushing in Austin Eckler into the end zone to be like give us this ball back we're not letting you take this all the way down to one second and kick a field goal which is or miss a field goal <laughs> yeah which is a strategy right like yeah. it's definitely a strategy um Listen, I was blown away by Herbert, right? Especially in the fourth quarter. Everything that you just said, um, the eye test is just passed with flying colors, but the aggressiveness, right? Like like you said, hey, it's fourth and five. We're not just throwing it seven yards deep, right? Like we're going all the way down the field. We're calling savvy plays. Like we're calling plays that like, because the defense is expecting you to only be running seven to eight yard routes, right? You're not expecting that somebody's going to take a shot 25, that, 30, 40 yards downfield. And that's what they're doing. They're gambling. And, and it's and mind, Yeah. And that mindset, you're keeping the defense honest. Yep. Uh, you're, 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 they're not just playing those. Like I said before, you're not just playing the sticks. Uh, they don't know what's coming uh, to be honest with you. So I think that is a extremely aggressive and out of the box mentality too, from a football team. Yeah, I just love it. I think the this new coach has got a lot of moxie and he's letting his coordinators, you know, kind of carry the same swag. Yeah. I said this last week when we recorded going into this game that my eyes were on this game. This was two big boy teams, right? With, I think, one team that was carrying a ton of expectations coming into this year, the Cleveland Browns. I had different expectations than most for the LA Chargers because I felt like on paper and just having the quarterback that they have that I've been so high on that it would be enough right to 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 carry them and and so far i mean this was two powerhouses colliding what i loved about herbert big game big time scenarios did not shy away does not feel like the 
the lights are too bright or the stage is too big for him, ice in the veins, whatever terminology you want to use, he had all of it. What I think was most telling, I think most NFL coaches reserve the right to not oversell their players, right? Like they want to keep them humble. They want to keep them in check, but they want to applaud and reward their efforts, especially a young quarterback like Justin Herbert. Like you've been playing so well, let's not inflate your ego. Let's not get this off track. This game, this is still not about you. This is about a team. This is the ultimate team sport, et cetera. But Brandon Staley after the game actually said, to win a game like this, you need a superstar quarterback. And he Dude. is a superstar quarterback. You, there's just no other way to cut it. Like he, he is a shining star in this league. Dude, you and I are on social media all week long. Did you not see the polls out there? Like, who would you start your franchise with right yeah. now with these quarterbacks under 25? And his name's up there on every one of them as an option. And I'm being honest with you because you know how big of a fan is. There's only one player on that list that I would choose above him right now. I'm not, I don't have, no, I'm not even going to say it doesn't matter, right? Because it's like, you know, it, it could be Josh Allen. It could be Patrick Mahomes. It could be either of those other two, right? But, like, I'm only choosing one, and I'll reserve it because it'll come up in conversation later at some point, you know, like throughout the season. But Herbert is a clear number two option for me at however old he is 20 20 games into his professional career he's he's a he's a stud dude there's just no yeah. other way to say it going into this cleveland browns game i i really thought they had a split either uh split these next two games either win against the browns or win against the ravens because if they were to go one and one in these next two uh, contests i feel like their schedule starts lightening up now it's a little easier uh, this was brutal. Now, if you look at, you know, the teams that they played, if you were telling me they were going four and one the first five games, I was thinking more like two and three. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that they're even here, uh, they can very well also be five and oh, it, it's strictly remarkable. And I will say, I personally think what's changed is communication with the team and the transparency between coaching staff and the players. Uh, they meet for group, group meetings. Uh, the offense don't break off with the offense. The offense knows what the defense is going to do in the game plan of the defense. Like I'm talking about like their, like the Chargers defense and vice versa. So they know what's going on in the game. So when the offense is on the sidelines, they know what the defense is trying to do and how they're trying to attack just so that they can kind of react and know how they're going to have to play. I think that's kind of crazy because you never really hear something like that too much. Usually the defense with the defense. No, that's high, that's high school football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you got guys going both ways, like that's high school football. Yeah. So me, I, think it's, you know? I think it's communication and uh, you got a big game going against uh, the Ravens this week. So worst case scenario, if they do lose, it'll be tough. It's a, you know, it's an early game again, East coast. I think this is the last time too on the East coast. So if they can somehow, if they do win this game, um, it should get, you know, should be starting getting a little easier for them. Yeah. So two final points that stood out to me was number 33, Mr. Derwin James was all over the football he, field. All he's, over the he's so good, man. Yeah. He really is. But just happy to see him playing healthy, you know, like he playing played, healthy and flying around the, the football field. Do you know, Brandon Staley has him playing five different spots. Yeah. 
Dude, he goes, he, he says his numbers can be so much higher than they are now, but we have to incorporate him in so many different places to, you know, to make the defense what it is. I mean, dude, deal. I think the only position he's really not capable of playing like super effectively is like the nose. Defense, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. Other than that, like he's just a new, he's just a, a freak athlete. The other thing though, that I think really stood out to me is because you had mentioned last week when we were recording as well, that. LA's defense has held every team they've played to their their lowest lowest total point total to that point in the season, and this was clearly not that case, right? Yeah, like no. this was a shootout. <laughs> so with a team though proving that they can win in multiple ways, mm, this is yeah. what I've always said. I've always said this. I said this last week. I'm gonna say it again about my team here in just a second. Good teams find a way to win football games. Bad teams find ways to lose football games. Right, like. They found another way that they can win. They can win in an 80, 90 point game. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. can still find a way to win. Yeah. Um, super impressive. And I think it's a, I said going into this week that this was a, a bigger or bigger feather nice. in the cap for them mm-hmm. than the Kansas city game. And they went yep. and did what they were supposed to do. And they handled their yep. business, man. Good for you. Oh, yeah. So um, hate to be a, uh... Hate yeah. to make this transition from uh hate to be a killjoy, but we do have to talk about uh the San Francisco 49ers now. So talk to me about them. What'd you yeah. say? I saw another winnable game that slipped away. Um, and I feel like I'm being redundant here because that's now three weeks in a row. Looking back at this the schedule, this team could justifiably and very easily be five and oh right now. Really could be. Um, but yet here we are two and three going into the bye week. So I'm always starting with the bag. Uh, with the bat. I am still heavily questioning Kyle right now uh, for so many reasons. This week, though, I did think that the play calling got a bit more aggressive. We went for it on fourth down, which I loved. But somehow, someway, when I look at the stat sheet and watch the game, that like your 21-year-old rookie quarterback had ran the ball 16 times in the game. Um, and the far majority of those were designed runs. They weren't just scrambles. That's more than any running back on this team carried the football in a run heavy offense. So I just, I just have question marks like that. That just doesn't feel Can I ask you a question? to me. Yeah. Do you think it was more for like, uh, to, I'm just going to be come out with it to dumb down the playbook for Lance. Do you think that that was the game plan? I think so. I think, you know, like if you look at what he did back at North Dakota state, like running the ball was a lot of what he did, you know? Um, And I think it it was to simplify things. I think with rookie quarterbacks that are mobile, you build confidence by letting them do things that they are confident in, in the first place. And like, you know, your leg talent is your leg talent, right? It, It doesn't require you to read the field. It just requires you to be faster and more athletic than everybody. And I think that helps just, get you into the flow of the game, build the sweat and, and kind of like just remember that you're playing football and forget some of the, the true X's and, and O's of it. But again, still a little alarming because I think there are other ways to break your rookie in and protect him. Like, look, coming out of that game, all of a sudden midweek, we're talking about Trey Lance sprained his knee in the game, even though he finished the game. I don't, the, these are the things that I'm struggling with. And I'm going to talk more about this in a second. What I'm still upset about, and I still have, for life of me, have no idea why this is happening, is why Brandon Ayuk is still invisible in this offense right now. He had two catches last week. He must have slept with Shanahan's wife. I I literally don't know what he did. But if you look at his two catches, they're two of the most 
premier catches that an, a wide receiver can make. So it's like, what else does this guy got to do to prove that he's worthy of more snaps or more targets, big time catches when other receivers were not bailing out their rookie quarterback drops, 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 drops by veterans like Sanu drops like by veterans like Debo just dropped football, which is what we saw a lot of in the preseason. Um, one thing that I'm perplexed by, but I think this will come with experience for Trey Lance is there was a fourth down and goal. Lance wasn't able to punch it in. He, he tried to truck somebody basically, right? Like where if he just kind of extended his body, put the arm out, something like that, again, where that, that, that veteran savviness comes in, you know, this is, this is the NFL. This is not FCS football. Like you're not running over everybody in this league, Mm -hmm. but I think that's something that's like learned and realized over time. Um, Another negative here is penalties. Same common theme over these last three losses, right? In this game, it was seven for 60, but the, 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 they're always shoot yourself in the foot moments, right? Like big time spots, big time scenarios. And you just, you're only hurting your, your football team. But uh, I, I hate to be redundant, but again, this is just another loss in a game that could have easily been a, a win. And this is where like I spell into a little bit of the good. So this was a competitive game with a 21-year-old rookie quarterback starting basically his first game in the last two years, essentially. Um, I liked a lot of what I saw from Trey, actually. I told you last week, I have no expectations going to this game. I just want to see the rook play. I just want to see what he's got. Um, The stat sheet will not look sexy at all. It's not going to look like Justin Herbert's numbers uh, this week, if you will. But if you watched, it's just obvious and evident that the offense moves better there's more of a threat on the field when he's on the field because of his running ability because of his big arm ability buying time in the pocket scramble drills things of that nature again all things that i think will develop as you get more time and you have the ability to build chemistry with your players i know he threw that very early pick right and i'm sure a lot of 49er fans are like oh here we go that that you know cuz like most fans just like are not reasonable people to begin with however i loved the play minus the end result right like i loved everything about it i loved how his eyes never came off downfield he didn't look to take off like right away he got out of the pocket he bought some time made the play with his legs he just overthrew it he just overthrew it and he, the right receiver, the receiver was open and he was putting the ball over a second layer defender. So it's early in the game. It's his first start, right? That could be adrenaline. That could be nerves. That could be a lot of things. But to me, the mechanics of everything that unfolded looked really, really good and things that I haven't seen from my quarterback in quite some time. Right. So I, I felt positive there. I'm beating the same drum here, but I thought the defense played tremendously defense did very good i mean dude this is the arizona cardinals offense right this is a high-flying yep. offense we held them to 304 total yards kyler murray 210 yards passing and most of that was in like the fourth quarter right yep. and a final touchdown to deandre held them under 100 yards rushing i just think it's another week where the defense held up their end of the bargain and the offense did nothing to bail them out shout out to D'Amico ryan's by the way dude. he's been he's been phenomenal uh I, I will say i wasn't a believer i thought you guys lost a I thought by losing your old defensive coordinator, I'm like, okay, wait, wait to see what you're going to get now. Cause I liked uh, Robert Sala. Uh, love but Sala. Sh- yeah. But uh, I'm like, I love D'Amico Ryan's as the player, uh, but I'm like, let's see what he has coming out as a defensive coordinator, but he's been phenomenal. Doing great, man. I mean, he's a student of the game, right? He was a, an, a, 
I wouldn't say elite, but a, yeah, I wouldn't an go that excellent far. football player. He's a really good player, right? Yeah. Um, Oklahoma? I'll, that's a From great Oklahoma? question. No. We need a, we yeah, need yes, a Samika Ryan was, 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 we need a stat boy for sure. We need a stat boy. We need yeah. a stat boy. We, we are we'll get there applica- one day. We, we are taking applications, folks. Uh, we're please, talking football first, app boy. Please send resumes to uh, pays, we're talking football at gmail.com. It pays a lot of money. So. Yep. Um, final point on the defense, though. The Cardinals coming into this game, averaging 35 points a game. We held them to 10, 17, right? So yeah. we literally cut their average in half. So, again, defense did everything. All right, so glass here, half. Uh, listen, I'm going to play devil's advocate. You were talking about the Chargers showing many w- ways to win. Is this Cardinals team, in your opinion, for real? Because here yes. they are. They know they've been blowing teams out, not blowing teams out, but high flying offense, right? Yep. Yep. Now you got them on showing them they can win a defensive battle. Do you think they're for real? I think this year they're for real. I think last year they were pretenders. I think the, the, I do think Cliff Kingsbury is a bit of a pretender, but I think there's a lot of talent on both sides of that football field yeah. that so, they can so they overcome to, his shortcomings. So they win despite of uh, uh, Kingsbury. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, dude, a lot of the team goes as Kyler Murray goes. Right. And a lot of that's like backyard football, draw the play in the dirt. And I'm just, you're not going to sack me. I'm going to run around and Rondell Moore, Deandre Hopkins, you know, Christian Kirk, just get open downfield, right? Yep. And, and and it's hard to stop that, man. It's really hard to stop. This, Russell Wilson's made a living doing it, right? Plays yep. break down. It's not always pretty, but you find a way to win. So here's like my, my two final like things I want to say. So first and foremost, I'm so glad that we're going into a bye week right now. And next week on the show, I don't actually have to talk about my 49ers <laughs> because I think we need it. I think we need to reset. I think we need. I to think re- you need it too. <laughs> I definitely need it, but we just need to really like recalibrate a little bit, and we need to figure some things out along the way. Um, there's a lot to be concerned going into this bye week, though. Like, hey, we got the Colts on Sunday Night Football. Colts looked really good actually against the Baltimore Ravens, and they shit the bed at the end of the game. But that was a very winnable game. But who's the quarterback? Is it Jimmy? Is it Trey? I think Kyle did everything in his power to leave himself open depending upon how Trey played to go right back to Jimmy and not make this the final move where like, Hey, we're playing the Rook, even though our original starter is healthy, we're going to play the Rook and you just can't go back. Right. Like the business of the NFL says you can't go back because injuries are at play here. I think the door has been left open. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out. This is my conundrum though. A lot of the 49er pundits will tell you that John Lynch and Kyle have fumbled this entire QB situation. For the most part, I've actually have disagreed with that for an extended period of time. I've always felt the right play from the get-go was to play Jimmy until something happened. You and I talked about that injury, bad play, um, whatever it might be. Now that those things have happened, we see what Trey is capable with limited time, limited preparation, you know, coming from an FCS um, school, et cetera. Like, I think now is where you need to move forward with number five. So if his knee is okay during this bye week and he can get practice reps in next week, feeling okay, where I'm going to be very upset is if that information is released and he's practicing and we go back to Jimmy. I think that's where I'm going to have this issue, right? Like for two years, this team has publicly flirted with, we're going to go look at Tom Brady. Oh, I want Matthew Stafford. All these things that they've said and then put all of this collateral to up to go move up to number three to draft your quarterback of the future. Like, what are we doing here with all of a sudden this like crazy amount of support for Jimmy 
when for almost feels like for the last two years, we've been tearing the guy down, you know, at the level. And that's where I think they are fumbling this big time. Like to me, play the kid. Don't look back. Even if 2021 is a waste for us, which is very likely you're putting yourself in a prime position to win in 2022 with an experience now and a more experienced quarterback with the core of our roster returning. All right, I got to disagree with you. I can't believe I'm about to say what the words that are coming out of my mouth. Uh, I'm very disappointed in myself. I haven't said anything yet. Uh, no, uh, 2021 is not over. All right. Uh, the fact that you're already, you know, you're starting a re almost like a talk of like a rebuild process uh, process. What have you said the first five weeks of the season? The defense has been balling out. Yeah, They don't need a savior at quarterback at this moment right now. They will need it to win multiple championships, right? So I kind of think they have to go back to Jimmy G because he doesn't turn, he doesn't win you the game, but he's not going to lose you the game. I think at this point of uh, Trey Lance's, you know, the juncture of Trey Lance, Trey Lance right now, I feel like he can possibly lose you the game with an experience, not knowing the offense is good enough, the turnovers, what have you. Uh, maybe start formulating some bad habits. You said how many design runs? 16. When you have athletic quarterbacks that rely, start relying, they, their knee-jerk reaction is to start running. It's defeating the purpose how you really beat a team. You have to be a team from the pocket, right? And yes, you can run, but yeah. look what Lamar Jackson is doing right now. Yeah. He's the history of the team. NFL says you, you have to have to. So this season is way too young. And the fact that you also have Russell Wilson out six to eight months, that kind of kicks them out of, out of uh, contention, in my personal opinion. So you have another person in your division that's kind of out. You're talking way too soon to hand over the keys to Trey, to Trey Lance right now. In my opinion, uh, I'm changing the, t- the tune. My tune is because that defense has been balling out and they can keep you, game, keep you in games close. And Jimmy G just basically has to hand the ball off and make – couple of throws here and there and they can win games like that, man. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll find out quickly, right? Because uh, we'll have a Sunday night test against at home against the Indianapolis Colts. And if you go to two and four, we're singing a totally different tune coming out of the bye week with two weeks Dude, of there's preparation. Still, there's still, listen, I know there's time. I know I listen and I get all that, but I also think it's like extra, extra game. You got an extra game, extra playoff spot. Like when those percentages still- start dwindling, then you got to start playing the odds for the season, right? Less like, than just is what just, I'm saying. Just, just just look around the NFC. It's a shit show. There's not too much talent out there. At two and four, you guys will still be in the mix of it if okay. you do lose, which I don't think you would. But. Well, this is all documented, so we'll see who's right in like five weeks from now. All right. So all right. So clearly, I'm freaking out. So what are you okay. freaking out about? Uh, you know what? Positive vibes. Let's switch it up. Usually I freak out about you some are stuff. usually a negative Nancy. So let's see. I am. This. I am. So yeah, I'm Debbie Downer, negative Nancy. You name it. You know, Sour Puscarini. Those are all my nicknames. Uh, Buffalo Bills. I'm freaking out. You want to know why? Because they're really good. No, not just that. If I'm Bills Mafia, I'm already booking my playoff tickets. They're the number one seed. It's already confirmed. They locked it up. Look at their remaining schedule. You ready? At Tennessee. Versus Miami, at Jacksonville, at the Jets, versus Indiana, uh, the Colts, at New Orleans, versus New England, at Tampa Bay, one hard game, versus Carolina, at New England, versus Atlanta, versus Jets. How many games are they going to lose of those that I just told you about? One, maybe two? 
feeling really nice that I got Josh Allen in a couple of fantasy leagues. <laughs> Dude, we have him in our, we have him the podcast league too. Yep. So, uh, so you got to think about that. One, maybe two games are losing. Yeah. They're the number one seed. They are. They have a buy already. Yeah. Outside it's, any crazy injuries, they have a buy already. Strength of schedule is a real thing. Strength of schedule. So if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, Bills Mafia, I'm I'm going to Home Depot, Lowe's, loading up some tables, some lighter fluids, some matches. I'm getting ready because yeah. they're gonna need it. Bills Mafia, I love it. Bills. Um, I got plenty of family in upstate New York. That's all part of Bills Mafia. Um, and they lot to be excited about. Yep. All right, so I'm going to be negative. I've always found a positive thing. And this is about a specific player. This is not about it. This is about a team because of a specific player. Okay. And I'm keeping this home and local. The New York football Giants should have never, ever spent the number two overall pick on Saquon Barkley. Um, another injury after coming back off of that ACL from 2020. What's that? Freak injury. But did you play the running back position? This is, I mean, <sighs> this is literally why teams have started to, this is the cautionary tale of why they started to shy away from drafting running backs early because they just seem to really be out of the league early and more and more teams go to multi, multiple back systems by committee where there's very few bell cows left. And don't get me wrong. Like this kid is like freakishly talented and super athletic. But the reason why I can confidently say this is because quarterback is still a position of need for them. And I know Lou that hindsight is 2020. So it makes me really makes it really easy for me, my ivory tower to come back and pick a hole in this, especially since it's my, not my team. So I can be critical about it. But when I go back and look at the, what was it? The 18 draft, I think 18, 17 or 18. Josh Allen's still on the board. Look what he's doing for teams right now, right? Like, yeah, and, and I'm not saying, I, listen, I was, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not here to puff out my chest and say I was, I was high on Josh Allen. Like, again, that's real freaking easy. That's a cop out and real easy to say. But I will say that I believed in Josh Allen as much as I believed in um, Herbert coming out of school as well. I just think like, there's just like certain things you just look at these guys, right. And they're monsters with cannon arms and mobility and just things that like are not super common traits in the NFL that are, Hey, I can, Josh Allen can run all over the freaking field, right? Like yeah. much better than Justin Herbert can, yeah. but he doesn't look to do it. He does it out of necessity. And every once in a while they'll have a designed run because they know it's going to eat up 25 to 30 yards. Cause it's just like, it came out of the blue or on that fourth and one. What I'm saying is like looking back at this and seeing sake, like to me, when running backs start to get nicked up, they stay nicked up, right? Like they don't all of a sudden just like regenerate a new ACL and regenerate new parts of their bodies. And I unfortunately think this is going to be the downfall um, of say, I think this is just going to be common theme for Saquon. And at that position, you need your confidence more than anything. If you start lacking trust in your body and think it's going to fail you, ask Todd Gurley. Where's Todd Gurley? Ask Todd, right? Like, I mean, this dude was sitting at the top of the league for how long, right? Like, and what is he, 27 and not even playing football right now? Like, it's it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And I, I just think that that's this is the cautionary tale that, like, I don't care how good the running back is they're going to slip and they're going to continue to slip like late first round, early second round is going to be the best that you're going to see these guys go. Yep. I hear you, man. Do you have like, 
a 30 second other freaking out that you can run through? I am. And you know what? I originally was going to do a freak out, a negative freak out, but dude, you've been bringing me down this whole show. So I'm going to do another mm-hmm. positive one. How about Raven, the Ravens and Lamar? Lamar, you know, the Lamar Jackson fans. Oh, Lamar, yeah. listen to this. He's fifth in the NFL in passing, eighth in the NFL in rushing. He has over 1,860 total yards. That's more than 18 NFL teams. He has evolved his game and put the NFL on notice. He's the best quarterback in the league right now. He's your MVP of the league. I can't, I can't necessarily dispute that. I have a few people that would be in contention, but like you he's, just make, like the- he's making a very, very, very strong argument for it, for sure. Um, and what was it? Uh, Monday night's game was a really compelling argument in a game that yeah. they were arguably out of, but I'm stealing my thunder from a, another segment coming up. So I'll let it okay. be. Okay. I got another negative one for you. Please be, keep... the Ra- Please be the Raiders. No. So this to... is, this is about the NFL actually. Okay. So Uh-oh. in wake of this Washington football team investigation and what has come to light with John Gruden is the NFL like kind of about to implode. Like you're seeing this more commonly in the world and like rightfully so, right? Like if these people have done these things and said these things, like they believe to, I I believe they should be outcasted or I should believe that it should be least called to light and let people make judgment calls on this. But so many people in the NFL right now have like ties to this Washington football team. My head coach being one of them, I'm wondering what emails have been sent? What other things have been sent? How, what else is going to rise to the surface right now? How many people are going to lose their careers because of things that they've said that they felt were behind closed doors, but given the light of this investigation, you know, it is going to come to fruition, but I'll take this one step further outside of just the NFL. This happening to the Las Vegas Raiders is actually the best thing that could ever happen to the Las Vegas Raiders. You and I, I know, I'm not about, happy. I'm not, I'm not happy about this at all. But I, I was, ha- I you're loved, in the division. Like I loved Rudin being their coach. Of course. <laughs> I mean, we, you and I have talked about how he's just dragging them backwards into a, a different NFL. But I also think like Raiders fans, because believe it or not, we do have a couple that listen to us, a couple that I, I, I work with regularly. They have always been the epitome of diversity Yes, at their organization, you know, like this is true. from the coaches back in the 70s hired, doing things. They hired Archell. Yeah, no, yep. yeah, this is true. Flores, like other people, yeah. like Al Davis was a trailblazer, you know, and the the Raiders kind of made their bones and grew the the what was it, the black hole, right? Like that whole group, like as like kind of saying they were misfits and outcasts, yeah. right? So I just think like if that was the the dynamic that was going on, that needs to go away. And I'd love to see not, I don't not necessarily like would I love to see the Raiders like return to form. Um, yeah, no, I but I that. just think this is just a <laughs> this is a good thing for their organization. So I'm taking a very negative thing for the NFL. And I am sp- spinning some positivity on it here for you, Lou, that I think Raiders fans, for the ones that do listen to us, like this is a really good thing for your organization. I think this will build morale. And I think this team that does have talent will rally around your interim coach. Yeah. All right. Um, it's easy real quick. Uh, it's easy to focus on all the it's negative press is easier press and everyone's knee jerk reactions. Like, well, what are the coaches and things of that nature? There's a lot of other good players and good coaches and good managers that 
are the complete opposite of John Gruden, right? And I personally think those stories don't get much publicity as they should. And everyone just looks for that negative press because it's that low hanging fruit. Yeah. That's my, uh, you know, yeah. don't let a few bad apples. Uh, hopefully, you know, mess it up forever. I, I'm just curious as to like how many more bad apples we're going to find out about. Right. Like, because if you surveyed the average football fan who was watching Monday Night Football all those years that John Gruden was an announcer on Monday Night Football, they all be like, I love John Gruden. John Gruden's so great. Those people are singing an entirely different tune right now when you find out what the real human beings are like. But the, I agree with you. All the more reason that when there are good stories to tell in professional sports, they need to be told. So louder. Yes. Journalists, investigative reporters. When you find out this, don't to lose point. Don't get sucked into the low hanging fruit. Do a little more work. You know, if, if I had ties to these teams and I had connections like I'd be doing more work. I'd want to find the, the good guys, the good girls, the good everybody and tell their story a little bit louder. All right. All right. So, Lou, let's get into some offensive and defensive performers of the week. You want to start offense? You want to start defense? I'll start offense. All right, um, you lead us in. I already mentioned his name earlier. Start with the obvious. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. He was yeah. 37 at 43, 442 passing yards, four touchdowns. Also had 14 rushes for 62 yards. And he brought back the Ravens uh, against the Colts in overtime. So, uh, I mean, he was phenomenal in the pocket. Showing also, by the way, he can throw not just down the, uh, down the middle of the field, but he was throwing on the outside of the numbers too. So, look, he really has changed his game. Yeah, I mean, listen, anytime a player puts up 503 total yards in a game, like, whoa. Yeah. Um, he was my number one as well. But I'm a little angry with him, and, and it's, it's fantasy related. So in one of my leagues, I was going for high score of the week, which has some compensation to this. And, Lou, I was well into the 200s in a not-so-friendly scoring league, right? So my team went off, and I had Marquise Brown, who was having a good game. But the gentleman in, my, in this one league who happened to have Mark Andrews somehow, someway found a way to creep past me to the tune of, like, one and a half points, right? Like by the end of the game. And this was a cat. This was like the roller coaster of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling away with this. Oh, oh, another touchdown for Mark Jack, you know, Mark Andrews. Oh, I'm, you know, oh, Marquise Brown gets in. All right, Hollywood, here we go. So I'm a little upset with Lamar because he wasn't talking to my boy just enough. So I had Lamar number one, just to not be redundant with you. I'll go with my backup plan here, which is Justin Herbert. 26, of, 26 of 43. 398 yards, four touchdowns, and the most important number, zero. Zero interception. In, in a high-flying game where a single turnover could lose you that football game, he was not responsible for one in a, in a big-time game with a big-time showing just like that. Um, pretty, pretty impressive. The only other thing that I'll add, going back to Lamar Jackson real quick because I wanted to go with him as well, Dude threw 43 passes and only six incompletions. Like, that's crazy. That's – and there was big-time throws down down the field. All right. By the way, real quick, shout out to Devontae Adams, 11 catches, 206 yards, and one touchdown. I thought that you were going for him. He, he balled out against the Bengals, but uh, I thought he was number two now, uh, this uh, week. My number three is the only receiving threat that I have on there, and believe it or not, it is – 
Mark Andrews with yep. 11 for 147 and two tutties from a yep. tight end. It's a pretty, pretty, impre- pretty impressive stat. All right, who do you got on the, the defensive side of the ball? Because I want to spend a little bit more time here because I thought there was some, some interesting options. Okay. Um, I'm going to eat some crow right now. Remember when we did our, 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 our pre-draft and our, uh, our pre-draft uh, shows? This is my number we, one, too, but you go ahead and say. <laughs> and we killed this guy. Yes, we, we did. did. Not under, we did not understand why he's getting first-round uh, attention. Uh, we thought he's more of a third-round pick. Uh, looking at the tape, I'm like, this guy, he's an edge rusher that doesn't win on the edge. He only went, but he's too skinny and thin to win against you know, your guards and your, and, and your centers. I have Gregory Rousseau, who's been killing it for a, as a defensive rookie this year. He had four tackles, one tackle for a loss, one sack, and one interception. He's been balling out this year, and uh, he's made me look like an idiot. And good for him because he was a highly touted prospect coming out uh, of the draft process. And just because he did not do good during his pro day, it just shows you sometimes – the pro days and the combine is not the all the see all be all. Yep. Um, agreed. He was my number one. I think the, the coolest thing about his interception was it was a big goal line stand and yep. a big opportunity. Um, yes, you and I were both carrying uncertainty as to why he was carrying such a high draft grade. The only, th- I think the only praise that I gave him is I had heard him on with like Pat Kerwin on moving the chains on the NFL network and they on the radio and they were interviewing him and I just thought he was a real polished individual, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just felt like a teen guy. He felt like it just felt like he was so appreciative of this, this opportunity. He was going to be given to play in the NFL and he was going to make the most of it. And I kind of believed him like the way he was talking. It just, it just sound so put together and not like coached, you know, mm-hmm. it was like lengthy answers, not three word, answers to get out of the question um he, but he is that like tweener for his position like like you said like it's not really a dm but he's not really a d tackle but like what do we know because he's playing supremely well he's in his rookie good. season in buffalo but i think he's like this is one of those things where i think scheme matters and i think team matters and i think like that i think buffalo is just the right place for him mm-hmm. to, to maximize his skill set all right give me give me one more on defense if you got it Oh, no, I didn't go yet. I didn't go yet. Yeah, 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 you go. Hold up. So I was torn, right, because there was a couple guys I had, like, some some two-sack performances, like Everson Griffin and a couple other people. Um, I was really impressed with Derwin James. So I'm I'm, I'm name-dropping here, but this is not the person I'm going with, you know, because James had, what, 17 tackles, a sack, a hit, a tackle for a loss. What I thought was pretty outstanding was the play from the play of – Marshawn Lattimore. Okay. He didn't have the the eye popping statistic to me that let me know this guy was balling was he had six passes defensed in a single NFL game. That's straps, dude. That is being all over your receiver that you are responsible for through six pass breakups. In a single NFL game, premier corners might go an entire year with a little bit more than that. Like, like that 10, is, 11. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's to me, that's an intense game. So, you know, and I, I, and I'm personally one of the ones who thought Marshawn was slipping a little bit in the beginning of this year and the potential to slip off. Um, but 
to me, that's a, that's a hell of a game from a defensive back. I agree, man. I agree. All right. Just cause I'm being conscious of time here. Another good, another week of football. Um, my team's on a buy, right? So now I can really watch some other football with a keen eye <laughs> and, enjoy um, and enjoy it and just focus on fantasy football and things of that nature. What are you watching? What stands out to you this weekend? I looked at Besides the, the obvious. Yeah, it is the obvious. There's two games I'm really watching for. Uh, L.A., Baltimore, uh, battle these young quarterbacks. Uh, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh so that's that's the obvious right there. That, yep. that could be a, that could be another game where it's like 45, 43 type stuff. And I'm also looking at the, you know, Arizona versus Cleveland. Um, Want to see how Cleveland rebounds after you know this past week. They do have a lot of injuries on that team. So uh, so I'd like to see how they rebound and see if they can take it to Arizona. And correct me if I'm wrong. Battle of the Sooners. All right. Yep. Baker versus yes, Kyle. sir. Yes, sir. So, so I, I, I too have, you know, chargers Ravens, number one on my list. I just think it's a tough test for, for both teams. Um, this is such a gauntlet stretch for LA right now that if they can come out on top here, like this would be insane. Yeah. This is sky's the limit, but I'm really just looking to see how can they contain Lamar? Cause you're not going to stop Lamar. How do you contain him? Um, specifically with his legs like if Lamar Jackson's going to beat me I want him to throw for 350 right I don't want him running for a hundo this is the way that I want that to go but I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how Slater is going to hold up against Baltimore's pass rush because they have a number of like little options that aren't necessarily household names one of them being a rookie that I also was uncertain away. as to why uh, yeah away who by the way did you see like change his name or like is now going by a totally yeah. different name it's not I'm pretty sure why he was at Penn State and going through his combine and all of that. It was Jason Oway, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, but it's not that anymore. Um, I'm actually not too terribly worried about that um, because Slater performed very well against Miles Garrett. Yep. He did allow one sack. Uh, it wasn't really on him. Uh, I'm not sure if you read what basically what happened, but uh, the run, the running back, uh, what's his name? Okay, I'm having a brain fart. Eckler? Eckler. He chipped Garrett and basically caused Garrett to go inside. In him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's how I got the sack. And then after that play, he says, hey, don't chip him ever again. I do remember like reading that. like He was telling that's the bull, running backs, dude, like, don't touch that, this guy. <laughs> I watched a lot of film between them going back and forth. Yeah. Dude, it was a battle and a half. Good for him, man. He knows, yeah. like, he's like, listen, if I just get my hands on this guy and I can keep him in front of me, like, I don't need... Yeah. Nine out of ten times, I'm not going to need no. the outside help. The other game I'm watching is Buffalo at Tennessee. Um, it's a Monday night football game for the obvious, but can the Titans get back to form, right? I think this is a test for Buffalo's defense on are they – do they have the ability to truly, like, stop the run and stop the run with King Henry? Last year, two years ago, this would be a highly touted game, must-watch but I do think Tennessee's record's like a little bit deceiving. And you know, Lou, in the NFL, teams start to ride their high horse. Things are going well for you. You get a little lackadaisical. You don't pay attention to the details. You know, for quarterbacks, you're making all these throws and you just think that it's it's just always going to happen, right? So, I, trap game. 
trap total total trap game, but not necessarily your routine trap game because this is like Tennessee's still a good football team. You know what I mean? Like it's not like they're rolling into like the Detroit Lions and totally sleeping on the Lions like in a way game or something like that, right? Like this is like Buffalo. You want to win this football game still the NFL? Like you still got to be on top of your game, and I want to see if they they are and they will be consistently. And and more importantly for Tennessee, like can Mike Vrabel and company get this get this ship right? Because if you can't beat Buffalo now. What, what are you going to do when you face these powerhouses later in the season, you know? Yeah, real quick, uh, real quick, I will say, Buffalo, along with a lot of other teams, are built on defense to uh, stop the pass. So when they yep. go up against these teams like your Tennessee, like your Cleveland, who gear towards the run, they have trouble with them. So it should be interesting. Even though I'm not a fan of Tennessee, I think they're a little overinflated, if you ask my opinion, especially from a defensive standpoint. Uh, can't believe how awful they are, but uh, yeah. So I still think because they're that physical nature that could give Buffalo some problems. Yep, and 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 we'll see, right? Time will tell. All right. So Lou, do you want to do? Do you want to run through the schedule first and wrap up with fantasy, or do you want to go fantasy schedule? Let, let's do rapid fire schedule. So you have the schedule up. I got the schedule up. All right. All right. Thursday night, Tampa at Philly. Tampa. Tampa. In London, Finns, Jags. I'm going Finns. I'm going Finns too. I just think the Jags are off. Packers at at Chicago Bears. I'm I'm not picking the Bears. I'm just saying at Chicago Bears. Okay, yeah, uh, Packers. Packers too. Cincy at Detroit. Yeah, I go Cincy. Cincy almost beat the Packers. I thought they were even better than the Green Bay last week. All right. So, I'm so this say- this is my issue, dude. Is my wife's still alive in Survivor, a Survivor League. And this is like the one year I told her I would not influence any of her picks. Like she can just make her own picks. And last week she was already looking at the schedule this week and was like, I want Cincinnati over Detroit. I don't have the heart to tell her that I think this is a letdown and a trap game for Cincinnati, that I think Detroit can win this football game. They've played some close are games, you, man. You, lost some Detroit? I'm going Detroit. All right, so that's our first uh, one we have this week. Okay. Houston at Indy. I go Indy. Indy, too. Rams at G-Man. Rams. Rams. Chiefs at at the Washington football team. Chiefs. This is is a must-win football game for the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion. I get it. If Washington's defense has showed up, Anytime this year, yeah, I would, I, it's I not as big. So, it's not as big of a threat awful. for Kansas City. This game was like last year. Um, it's so disappointing. But so this I'm is gonna... a this is a must win game for Kansas City, yeah. in my opinion, just to get right and get some confidence yeah. back. All right, Vikings at Panthers. This is a tough one. Vikings at. Panthers. I got Vikings. I think Vikings are playing the right football right now. You know what? Uh, yeah, I got Vikings too. That, 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 will I, Dalvin play? Do you think Dalvin will play this weekend? I do think he'll play. Then I got Vikings. All right, Bolts at Ravens. I think Ravens, for the mere fact that I think they're going to throw a lot of Zod blitzes that Herbert hasn't seen this year. Uh, so I'm going to say Ravens. I think Baltimore as well. And yeah. I'm only leaning towards Baltimore because it's a home game and a 1 o'clock game, yeah. right? That, exactly. That's the advantage Those, I'm giving it for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, Cardinals. At Cleveland, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Cardinals only because if you saw the Cleveland's injury report today, 
There's like 10, 12 guys on that, man. Yeah. Um, They're banged up. Yeah, I believe in I believe in these Arizona Cardinals. So I'm I'm going Cardinals as well. Although I'm optimistic that maybe Cleveland can try to give them an L in my division. Um, Raiders at Broncos. Give me Broncos. I'm going Raiders. I think this is just like that typical. Okay. Like we're all going to rally around the interim, right? Like look back at the history of interim coaches. I feel like every time an interim coach has stepped in, they win their first game, like 85% of the time. I don't even know if that's a real stat. I'm making that up. It's just what my head like tells me. And I feel like. I think this is where they implode. (laughs) The boys at Patriots. I'm going to say Cowboys. Yeah, I don't even I don't even think this game's gonna be close, to be honest. Um, Cowboys as well. Seahawks at Steelers. Has to be Steelers only for the fact because Geno's I can't picture Geno Smith doing I anything. I know. I, 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 I still like this team is in my division, and every time like I'm watching a Seahawk game and like I see Geno Smith on the sideline, like they still he's still in the league. Like I just he's got the best job and he in the entire world, like just you're backing he's up like, Russell. He's like, Wilson. He's, he's, he's like Jim Sorgi with uh, Peyton Manning. <laughs> I know, like you just know that, like you're never, you're only entering the game in mop up time if you even enter yeah. the game because Russell Wilson doesn't even want to come out. And Russ just has always had this ability to like not get hurt, you know, and play the game. So that's why this is like so bizarre. All right, Monday night, Bills versus Titans in in Tennessee. I'll say Titans, and the reason being is for all the reasons I, I said before. They're uh, it's it's at Tennessee, right? It's at Tennessee on a Monday night. They just the Bills maybe be reading their press clips a little too much. Uh, they're not built towards stopping that run. I'm gonna say uh, give give the Titans. Maybe Julio Jones comes back and flashes, but I'll say Titans just to confuse us, right? Just like to yeah. for us and not to understand who the hell. The Tennessee Titans are just the NFL, right? Like it's just like the parody. You have a team yeah. figured out, and then so uh, true. I'm going Buffalo, um, because I need Buffalo to win this football game for <laughs> a number of reasons, and I need it to be like I need Josh Allen to throw for like five fifty, and that would make me feel real good. But I, I'm going to go Buffalo. Uh, I just think they have enough to overcome. The only way to me that Tennessee wins this game is like if it is true ground and pound and they double time of possession and keep Josh Allen off the field. Yeah. To me, that's the only way they win the game. All right. So that's that's the games. It's documented. I don't I don't even remember what we said, but we can always go back and see how right or wrong we were. So your favorite segment, my favorite segment, how we usually wrap up here at the We're Talking Football podcast. Let's talk a little bit about fantasy players, that team that fantasy team owners should be keeping an eye on this week as always i set the rules here lou this is not for household names these are not for the obvious this person should play like i'm looking for a name that's fitting into a flex i'm looking for Mm -hmm. hey i had russell wilson at quarterback now what do i do those are the types of moves i'm looking for what do you what do you got for me i got two names so just go one first or go one i'll go one you go Number okay. two, I'll go number two. So, uh, Javante Williams, I uh, feel like he's been getting uh, better as the season's been going on. He's going against the Raiders defense, who did just give up some some yards against Damian Williams and also uh, Khalil Herbert from Chicago Bears. Chicago. Yep. Yeah, so they ran all over the Raiders. I don't see why not Williams does the same thing. 
I think he's starting to become that, that number one back and he's transitioning. So I think he needs to be in your flex. And you all, everyone should really listen to me. I called out Dawson uh, Knox last week. Sure did. Not? Sure did. So Sure did. I, I said Chuba Hubbard, right? And he had himself a game too. This is true. Uh, so you were probably going to laugh at me. And people might I, be I, like, what is this guy I guarantee, talking about? I guarantee he's my, he's my other one. Uh, go ahead. Taylor Heineke. Yeah, he's my other one. Okay. Um. <laughs> And again, if you're listening, you're like, what, why, who against the Chiefs? Like, you just said the Chiefs are going to win that football game. But if, like, you're stuck at quarterback because of a bye week or because of – and I know there's only four teams on a bye right now, but because Russell Wilson was your quarterback and you're hurt and everybody else is already carrying two, and you don't believe in your backup, the Chiefs' defense is awful. Like, they're not good right now. In fact, I and I went and stole from some fantasy gurus on this to kind of support my what my eyes were telling me like, hey, this could be a, a good opportunity. The Chiefs are, are basically allowing almost 33 points a game right now. And they have allowed a top four fantasy quarterback for the last four consecutive weeks. I do believe that this game will be a shootout of sorts. At the very worst case scenario, Kansas City is blowing them out, and it's all garbage time points from Heineke. It's all yeah, garbage time. It doesn't matter. Fantasy doesn't care if you win or lose. It just matters what the statistics look like. Um, I think that I think if you were ever to play Taylor Heineke in fantasy football, it is this week. I'm starting him in one of my leagues for the main fact that what you just said before right now, game flow. Yeah. You, you know Kansas City is going gonna, is gonna to get out to an early lead. Taylor Heineke is going to play catch-up, uh, throw the ball a lot. He can move, too. He can rush. I think he had, he, you know, he has some good totals against New Orleans, too. Uh, but I'll give you another name. All right. <clears throat> Armin, uh, was it Armand St. Brown? The guy Armand from, St. Brown, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, from uh, the wide receiver. Equiminius St. Brown's brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they so have the, the, the best wide... family names ever. Right. Their father was a bodybuilder, I believe. Yes. Mr. Universe. Like Mr. Olymp. Yeah, Mr. Universe. Yeah, something like that. Universe. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, St. Brown from the Lions, the last two weeks he's received eight targets, and mainly for the fact because all their wide receivers are banged up. Tyrell Williams is out. Uh, they lost the other guy, Cephas. So I forgot. I don't know his name. Uh, but he was he's out now, too. So he's been seeing a lot more targets. He's been doing a lot more with the ball uh, these last past two weeks. Once again, uh, the Bengals just got torched, you know, from Aaron Rodgers. So they their secondary is suspect. So I'm going to say look out for him, too. Yeah, I, listen, I loved him coming out of college, right? I thought yep. it was only a matter of time. Um, I was much more bullish on – I would have been much more bullish on him if the quarterback situation was a little bit different um, there mm-hmm. right now, but it is what it is. Um, since you went wide receiver, I'll stay away from my wide receiver. Um, I'll go running back in this instance, and it's going to be uh, Daryl Williams from okay. Kansas City. No CEH, right? Um, and to me – the one thing that Kansas city hasn't really done well all year so far is run the football. I know on paper, you're like, why would I start a running back? That's not even the normal starting running back against the Washington football teams, like touted defensive line, but they're not touted. They're not. Yeah. Like (laughs) throw that out the window. This is not 2020, right? Like this is a totally the, at least it's the same names, but they're playing at an entirely different level. And I do believe, that in order for the Kansas City Chiefs to get right along with starting to play some defense, they need to start running the football. Like, they just need to start running the football. Um, Not sure Tyreek's status for this week. I know he was uh, a little nicked up coming out of last week. I think he's carrying a questionable tag. 
which in the NFL means you're probably you're going playing. to play. You just don't want to practice. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he's a veteran now. He should get the veteran Wednesday and Thursday off, you know, mm-hmm. respect, if you will. But I do think uh, if you're if you're stretched in at running back like I am in certain leagues, then this is this is an opportunity. And this is a to me, this is a two. This is the, the Chuba Hubbard st- standard, right? So this is like maybe a two to three week opportunity for you, depending upon how this guy plays before. Because I do believe CEH was put on like the short term IR, right? Like the the, the minimum three yep. three games, I believe. So that's that's the window for you. So, well, Lou, that wraps us up for week five it. recap. Heading into week six with some predictions, which I, I really like that we included this week, and some fantasy advice and, and tips. Uh, do me a favor, as I always rely on you. Tell me where people can follow us, find us across the social media world. You can find us at Twitter and Instagram at WTF Pod NFL. I'm going to do another plug. Check out go the where we're trying to build the YouTube presence a little bit. So don't be shy. Go ahead and check out the YouTube page. Real simple. We're talking football. We W E apostrophe R E talking football. Um, and you can find us, watch the videos. If you wanted some throwbacks, we have some like top 10 highlights around quarterbacks and running backs, you know, lose list, my list, um, some abbreviated. So you don't have to go through a, an hour show. You can watch something in like seven to 10 minutes. Um, but as always, Lou, a pleasure. Hope everybody enjoyed looking forward to football this weekend, sir. And looking forward to, to going through some recaps next week as well. Exactly, bro. Take it easy, man. You too, man. Adios. All right.